Listen for a word from God for you in this famous journey of the Magi, Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. When he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To begin with this morning, I want us to think about how you think. So don't just think, but think about how you think. And how we think is that we think in categories. So if I hold this up to you and you say this, what do you think? It's a ball. That's a good category. Can you narrow it down? Tennis ball. Fine. Okay. Green ball. Right. Okay. Green tennis ball. That's what we would label it. So to think about it in categories. Okay. You guys are over there. I got to move. I can't stand with my back to you. That's just rude. That's my category, and that's my mother. Don't turn your back toward people. So we're going to talk about categories. In your mind, you have a category for this. This is a ball, and it has a subcategory, a tennis ball. In your bulletin, you have words. There are words, and there are symbolics. Words are symbolic ways we categorize Objects. There's a scripture lesson. When you say scripture lesson, you expect me to read from one of the things we accept to be scriptures. You don't expect the Gospel of Thomas. You don't expect the Bhagavad Gita. You expect it to be from the Bible. That's what scripture means. That's the category with subcategories. That's how we label it. When you see the word hymn, you expect a certain type of song. If Carol were to start leading us in a Gregorian chant, you would go, no, that's not a hymn. If she started rapping a a current rap song, you would say, no, that's not a hymn, and that's probably not Carol. (laughs) Because that's the way categories work. We know what it is. And the problem is, is that we get so locked into what we think is the right thing, and we are so sure that we know that we stop seeing. Knowing can be the barrier to wisdom, it can be the barrier to perception. Because once you know, you don't look. So if you were to bring a 
a young child, if the preschool were to come in here and you were to say this is a sanctuary, they would pay attention to things around them and go, oh, there's a cross. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. A sanctuary means this. Because of the age of all of us, we would go into a sanctuary. Oh, yeah, I know what a sanctuary is. Yeah, expect that, expect that, expect that. Maybe if something's out of place, you might go, oh, no, that's not supposed to be there. Oh, uh, their poinsettia is it must be, you know, through the Christmas season. But you wouldn't really pay attention to the details because you know what it is. I sold a guitar this past month and I had a guy come in in here and, and to test it out so he could see what it sounded like. And, and he, uh, it was very interesting for me. He, you know, he played the guitar to see if he liked it. And he said, and his friend was here and he says, I just played for Yezu. How often do we think about what we're doing in that way? That's because he doesn't come into a sanctuary all the time that he tends to, he thought about it in a fresh way. Uh, somebody was in here praying one day and Calvin and I came in to talk about the order of worship. And oddly enough, we talked about worship while somebody else was in here worshiping. We get locked in our categories and we think about it in such a way that we can't see God at work in new ways because categories become expectations. When you get married, if you get married, see, it would be a category to say as if everybody was going to, but you find that each family has a set of expectations, and so when you go out into the other family, you're going to find that those expectations come into great friction. Um, you have expectations on, say, like Christmas, and I remember my first Christmas with Carrie, we were dating, we were up in Michigan, and they wrapped their stocking presents and presents from Santa Santa, I'm sorry, Santa apparently wraps presents for them. And so we opened up the stocking, and the first thing I opened up was deodorant. And I thought, what kind of message is this? <laughs> apparently that's what they do, so it wasn't just me. I don't know. Maybe it was just me, and they hit it with everybody else, but I'm still trying to figure that out. It was not my expectation. We think in categories, and then we're challenged to think beyond them. I want you to just pause for a moment and consider language, because language is a way that we get stuck. There is a language that is called E-prime, which is to do like your high school English teacher told you, and only use to, not use to be verbs, like what something is. And so when you think you know what something is, the, your English teacher in high school said use active verbs. When you think you know what something is, then it becomes a problem. Because when you take a ball like this and you think it's a tennis ball, and I say, well, it's really not. We have five dogs in our house. <laughs> this is a dog toy. Why does it bounce like that? Because you don't want it bouncing all over your house so that when you throw it, it doesn't go too far. Thanks. My expectation was somebody might have tripped over it, so I had to go pick it up. But you think about it in terms of categories. Now, the problem is, once we use to be verbs, once we know what something or someone is, if you were to say this is yellow and I say no, it's green, and you go, oh, you were right, I was wrong. 
Once you have an argument, it really sets into that mindset of identity so that there's a right person and a wrong person. Once you set into an argument about whether it's a tennis ball or not, you go, oh, I thought it was a tennis ball, but I was wrong. And that's like the core of your identity. It's not about what you did. It's not about a mistake. Oh, I thought it was, but it's not. No, it's about being something. Being good or bad. There's something in that Garden of Eden story that is in our core consciousness that we want to have the power to know what something is and what something is not, to be able to label something as being good or bad, and certainly to be right or at least more right than others. And once you go there, it's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so here we have the Magi. Here we have how epiphanies happen. And how they happen is this. You have to travel beyond your categories. They went and they were following a star. They were looking for God to be at work in a new way. And they got sidetracked. Because they got sidetracked because the bright lights mean palace. The capital city means power. Kings are palaces and power. And they had to go down that road all the way to end their expectation to be able to see something new beyond what they expected to see. Perception often happens past what we think we know. And in this story, as you read on in the, in the beginning of Matthew, the person who has the strongest reaction to Jesus never meets him. And he's only a baby. And Herod goes ballistic because he thinks new means an end to everything he holds dear. And he goes in a terrible, terrible, violent response. Letting go of categories is not easy. But that's what the journey requires. T.S. Eliot wrote The Journey of the Magi, and at the end of the poem, he writes one of the Magi's reflection, looking back. All this was a long time ago, I remember, and I would do it again, but set down, set this down, this. We were all led that way for birth or death. There was birth, certainly. We had evidence, no doubt. I'd seen birth and death, but it thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We return to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation. With an alien people clutching their gods, I should be glad of another death. Now that's not quite the happy sort of feeling we have about the Magi, but it is what is often required to let go of the expectations we have and hold on to so tightly. Buddhism is very simple to me. It says we suffer because we do this. And if we would just do this, we would not suffer so much. And as Christians, we can agree we suffer because we do this. If we would just do this, we would not only not suffer so much, but we could find new life. And that's the journey of the Magi. Anne Weems wrote of the coming of God, and she said this, Our God is one who comes to us in a burning bush, in an angel song, in a newborn child. 
Our God is one who cannot be found locked in the church, not even in the sanctuary. Our God will be where God will be, with no constraints, no predictability. Our God lives where our God lives, and destruction has no power, and even death cannot stop the living. Our God will be born where God will be born, but there is no place to look for the one who comes to us. When God is ready, God will come even to a God-forsaken place like a stable in Bethlehem. Watch, for you know not when God comes. Watch that you might be found whenever, wherever God might come. Amen. Let us pray. God, help us to watch and wait so that as you work in our lives, we won't miss it. Help us to watch and wait so that we would be available to your side journey that takes us where you are. Help us as we watch and wait so that we may not only know your kingdom, but be a part of it. For that's why we've come, that's why we've gathered, and we'll continue to gather. Praying as we were taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.